Are you seeking advice? Are you looking for guidance, someone to help you make the most of your life? Do you need a mentor? You are in the right place. You have found the Mentor Project Podcast. We are here to enlighten the path of those that seek advice in their lives. More people need help these days than ever before. Join us for a unique discussion. All you have to do is sit back and relax. Now, let's get started. Welcome back, everybody. This is The Mentor Project, and uh, this is your host, one of your hosts, The Mentors, Mark Warner. And I'm here with Wes Badke up from uh, Canada. I've got also newcomer Stuart Sachs from Frisco, Texas, which is where I'm from. And then we've got the Smoker Broker, which is Robert Mesh. He is from Plano, Texas right now. So we got two Texans, one Canadian, and then I'm up in the upper or lower peninsula of uh, Upper Michigan in uh, Gaylord, Michigan. So this is the Mentor Project. Now we also have uh, Monica's not on this show this last week. So Monica uh, Bilchar, Blychar, Blychar, Blitcher, Blitcher, Blitcher. That's it. I just just screwed that all up. That's okay. <laughs> You're pretty close. Yeah, she came on as a guest our last podcast. So if you guys liked her a lot, well, you might as well continue to like her because uh, she's going to continue to be on this show um, as a mentor. So we have five mentors, four guys and one gal. So if you're out there, guy or gal, doesn't matter. We would love to have you on as a mentor. The mentor project has started off as an idea from Wes and I, and we brought on Robert and then recently brought on Stuart and uh, Monica. Now we do have one to two other mentors that are going to come on board in the very future. So if you want to catch up with all the updates and the latest news and everything, you can go to the mentorproject.live. Enough about that. Wes, Stuart, Robert, how's it going? Going very well. Thank you very much, guys. Good. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah. So, you know, some of us on this mentor project, on this this podcast today, uh, had a, our actual fathers. So for the two of you that are actually fathers, how did your, how'd your father's day go? Awesome. Yeah, it was very good. Very good. Actually got to see the entire family. Uh, so there was like tons of father day for our family this, uh, this past weekend. So it was a good one. Rock on. Yeah. I saw one of the best things I saw yesterday was a meme that a, a friend of mine posted. And he did it as a funny meme because his wife got him something for Father's Day. And he's like, isn't it interesting how men are have this explanation of an idea in their mind because their wife puts it there, or somebody does. They read it, they're being told, whatever. And that that, you know, when it's Mother's Day, you go out and you buy a couple of gifts. You don't just buy one. You do a couple of different things. You, If you have kids, the kids do something. If you have a spa day, you're going to give them, you're going to give them gift cards. You're going to take them out to dinner. You know, it's almost wine and dine like you're dating all over again, right? But on <laughs> Father's Day, you just get one gift. And, you know, some for some fathers, it's just a thank you and thanks for bringing me into the world, right? And so this one meme is this guy was talking about is like my wife went out. I went and bought her six, not one, but six gifts on Mother's Day. Wow. What did I get? One. What did I get? I got a gift card. 
So my thought was, okay, I get, I get the analogy. I get it's kind of, it is kind of funny, but if, if I was a father, I don't really need anything. You know why? Cause I just go out and buy my own stuff. I just go buy what I want to buy. Right. Exactly. The, the gesture well, yeah. is say, thank you yeah. and move yeah. on down the road. We, we've always had the, 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 the Christmas and the, and the father's day and all that type of stuff. You're like, well, you're really just buying stuff that I would have bought for myself with my money. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a different type of gift, you know, it's uh, as long as they told me they recognized it, that probably would be just as good. And I think anybody agrees. Most of the father's day gifts they get are probably not that great overall. <laughs> They're probably something made up or, you know, right. Stuart? Yeah. That, the handmade gift from the kid and yeah. kindergarten yeah. and grade three. And I had the best Father's Day ever because this is the first Father's Day. I, I can remember that I didn't get a pair of socks. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, did you get a tie? Huh? Yeah, the tie, I didn't get a tie? tie. Classic gift right there at the top. It's actually, it's, actually it's, what, I, what I got is pretty cool. Oh, oh you got a headlight. Cool. You got a neck light. Yeah. So you, it's, a, it's, it's a light you wear around your neck so you can read. You know, in in, oh. in, in in the dark and all, it's really really cool. I actually be reading in the that, dark. That'd be good for the barbecue bit. We have them always uh, on our header and stuff. I like that one. Yeah, yeah, re really easy. Yeah, that so, is interesting. Now, so while you, I'm waiting for the car to get get worked on over at the dealership and everything, I could sit there and I could read my book. Well, Stuart, I know you're getting old, but you shouldn't be reading in the dark, dude. <laughs> 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 I mean, there's one thing to need lights and i thought it was like work lights you're going to work around the, the wife gave you an example of start what? your honeydews now yeah <laughs> you know i mean you could i suppose i could use it for that too if i'm working on something that frees up both hands right exactly <laughs> you know. yeah. Yeah. yeah all right so <laughs> so welcome everybody this is our third podcast we're going to get started with the show um, we like to joke around and have a little bit of fun at the beginning, but today is actually pretty interesting topic. Today is it's talking about overcoming fears in your business. And while I've started multiple businesses in my life, I know Robert and Stuart has two. Um, and I, I believe I know Wes has started one. I'm not sure if he started two, but there's fears. Um, throughout the whole process from the day you decide that you're going to start your business to the day you're actually running your day-to-day -day operations. Um, you know, and, and I'm not going to start, I'm actually going to let Stuart start. He's the new guy today. We're going to actually put him on the, on the chopping block and we're going to ask Stuart because Stuart did something for a very long time with his wife, which that's another whole subject is working with your spouse. We're going to, that's going to be another topic one day, but Stuart, if I, if I have the comment of saying overcoming your fears in business, can you go back and can you relate to us in one way, just one paragraph, one sentence, one word that just says, what was your biggest fear when you started your business? You want me to sum up 40 years in business in one word or one sentence? That is correct. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> But my, my wife, just, just to, to, so people understand, my wife and I were in the women's fashion business. We were in retail for 40 years. And the word retail is probably the word that I would associate most with fear is because you are competing against everyone else out there that's in the same, same business. So it's the, probably the fear of competition and how to overcome that fear. Wow. And you know what? 
you are a hundred percent right on that. I have worked in retail, but have never started a retail business. Yeah, I've started a couple of online catalogs and online, I don't know, retail sales products, things like that, but nothing big like what you guys did. So did do you remember how many years it took you to become comfortable? Well, uh, I joined the business that my parents had started, and they, it was a mama-papa uh, retail operation. Uh, they had two stores at the time when I got out of the service, and they were opening a third. And because mom was in one store, dad in the other, they didn't know who was going to manage the third store. And so uh, I, I said, I'll help you out for a year, get a manager, and then I want to my, – my dream was to go into broadcasting. Well – as I said, I stayed 40 years. I met my wife. We got married. We ended up uh, building it up to six stores uh, and all for about 20 some years before my wife and I uh, uh, relocated and uh, and started our own, uh, you know, uh, 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 two stores and then finally down to one store before we retired. But uh, it was a little easier for me because I went into an already existing store, but I went in with the vision that if I'm going to help my parents, I want to help them grow, not just sustain their business, but grow their business. Uh, so that would that was a big challenge for me to do it. And then when when uh, Lauren and I got married and she was in the business too, we continued to to try and grow the business. That is a story I'd never heard. I, I did not know that your parents had started the six. I knew that you went to work for your parents, but I never heard the story in that way. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's a lot to overcome, especially then. And, and the good thing is, is for all you listeners out there, Stuart is now broadcasting online, doing multiple different podcasts. Uh, I met him back in 2015. Yep. Yep. And so actually, it was this, this week, Mark, seven years ago, this week, I it started uh, my show. Well, it's interesting because um, if you remember Henry Legrone, when I started yes. the KBGI product brand, that uh, today is actually seven years that Henry and I've been friends on Facebook. So it's been really eight years, eight and a half ish, um, since he broadcast DJ uh, LA when we were first promoting KBGI. And yep. um, that, let me just go into that subject because you know I'm like Stuart. I've done. Um, in some ways uh, we're different. I've, I've done a couple of different businesses. I, I got into construction for a while. Um, I managed a couple of online, um, hosting and web domains and web purchasing, uh, companies, which I still do today. I'm still, um, doing a lot of that today. And I have, I've never really shut it down. I've changed the name a couple of times. Um, so the construction part really wasn't, I didn't feel like there was a lot of competition out there. I just took on customers, what paid me and kept on moving down the road. And I didn't worry. I got the bid, I got the bid and I, I, I did the job. If I didn't get the bid, I moved on, I moved on down the road. But when I started the radio station, that was a whole different ball game. Now I didn't really have any fears whatsoever. Um, when you get in a situation in your life where you're frustrated because of your corporate work or whatever entity that you're, you're pro providing income in your uh, normal day life. For me, it was, I was, I was working on my own. I was doing different things and I happened to be working with the radio station and I didn't like it. I didn't like where it was going. So when you get kind of, you know, balls of the wall set up, you kind of just like quit and leave. And so that's exactly what happened for me for KBGI. I quit. Um, and then the next day went and got the uh, business entity and everything. And then I started the business. 
my biggest fear really didn't happen until about a year later. And that's when I hired my first employee. Cause I was like, hold the phone. Yep. I need help. Hold the phone. I'm not sure how I'm going to pay this person, but I need, I need, I need to pay for it. I need to do it. Right. And, um, so if I had my biggest fear, that's, that's it right there. It's just really, um, it's very surreal because at the time you don't know what you're really getting yourself into. And, well, uh, and also Mark, you know, when you started the radio station and, and I think I can, I can probably speak for, for each of us, you don't go into it saying, okay, I'm going to start another radio station because I want to, I, I want to be another rock and roll station on the dial. Uh, Robert didn't want to just be another real estate agent. You have to find your niche. You have to say to yourself, what can I do better than what some of my competition is doing? And that's what you go after. Absolutely. Well, exactly. And I can speak on that as well as to why I decided to do the style of business that I went into being in the boat building business. One of the biggest things that you have to do is, you know, exactly what you just said is review your competition and then look at the guys at the top, see who's actually doing it the right way. And then kind of model your business after the, the ones that are being highly successful. And for me doing that was, um, I'll just throw out a brand there. There's a company called Horizon out of uh, Taiwan and they are a brilliant company. They cover all aspects of yachts. So outside of sailboats. So if you want anything with a motor in it, uh, they've got it all right. So um, that's kind of where I'm modeling my business after is because uh, they cover pretty much what the clientele wants, right? Right. Well, yeah. you have to be, you're, you're being mentored by influence as well too, because you're, you're new in the business, but you're also using somebody else's expertise to be successful on your own, but you're going to find your own way, Wes. It, exactly. Yeah, I'm sorry, Robert. SWR say doesn't exist without the niche. The, the niche that we had was, it was, uh, you know, I started uh, real estate part-time and it's frowned upon by most of the brokerages in the country, which correct kind of hypocritical because over the years and after learning how to expertise in the material, I would actually argue that it's the part-time guys that you want because they're smart enough to know they're going to get their ass handed to them the first couple of years and they know they need to have some type of job. So we model SWR off of a part-time niche. And honestly, it doesn't exist today, nor does it continue to grow today without that niche. There are still a majority of the brokers that don't want to do part-time real estate. And for the life of me, I'll go to my grave, never understanding that. Yeah, it totally makes sense. You know, it's interesting. So Stuart said something too. He said, you know, you don't like for me, I'm starting, I am starting another radio station, but you don't go into the radio business wanting to be another station on the dial. Right. It, it's the same for Robert. Robert didn't go into the business to be another number, another digit in the real estate market and the brokerage and, and mortgage world. Yeah. Like, am I going to go after Remax or Keller Williams when I no. start? That'll no. work out well. You know? No, but you got to find, <laughs> but you got to find your own niche. Mm -hmm. You know, I knew when I, you know, being kind of post pandemic, I kind of self retired to some degree, kind of forced retired. Um, when you find out that your business is a hundred percent in service and then all of a sudden the service goes away. Um, the restaurant businesses across the world had that same exact problem, right? right. You, you either had the money in the backlog and you just, you know, fronted it the best way you could the, as long as you could, 
Um, and some did do that. And then they lost, lost their butts. They lost everything that they had and they still had to shut down. I did mine early enough going, mm, next month, I'm going to pay a lot of money for something that I'm not going to have any return coming in at all for a couple of months. Um, but Stuart, you said something that kind of, it, it's intriguing. There are certain ways that you start a business. For me, I missed radio and it hit on me for the last year that I wanted to do something. So I didn't really have any idea of how I was going to do it or how I was going to restart it or how, where I was going to go with it at all. And so I didn't have any fears in, in that aspect of it. My only thought was I got to come up with a name and I got to be creative. And so for me in this venture, um, I'm relating everything based on uh, I built a niche, like Rubber said. My niche is for me right now, not to the world and not in the industry, but just I have a cool name, Raven Radio, R-A-V-N, and my tagline is who you raving about. Right. So I'm kind of making it kind of quirky and kind of fun. So who you raving about? Right. And yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. You talk about that too. It's uh, I never looked at it as a fear, but I guess now if I'm thinking about it uh, and I tell the story quite a bit, it took 23 names before I came up with small world realty. You know, you start thinking when you create a business that it's so easy to have the name, you know, you think you're so creative, you know, 23 times I thought I was created a creative to be humiliated by the fact that there were a thousand other people that thought the exact same thing. And the ironic part was the most simplistic name we chose eventually was the one that we went with. So it is a fear. And you talk about fear yeah. even worse, getting into trademark, you know, even something so simplistic, we had to go in, be clear with Disney World because a small world that it was two separate things. So oh, right, right, right. I never looked at it like a fear, you know, but it was. Good point. Yeah. So Robert, something I can speak to that on. Um, I too have struggled with names and concepts as far as businesses that I want to launch, right? So before I launched the company I currently have now. Now I was, I was looking at so many different ideas. Like I wanted to come up with a, a water bottled water brand. And with that one, I was looking at just my name, right? How can I put together my name in, in a marketable way that I can market this water? Right. And so that never came to be. And so how I came up with my current company is instead of looking at the brand name and what worked for me is changing my focus look at from a, a logo standpoint, focus on the logo and that will drive your marketing. Yeah. Right? So for me, the, I don't know if you can see in my hat, but um, it's three interlocking gold rings. And that actually came from a pendant that I was given as a kid when my father and stepmother got married. It was a, a three-way marriage cer ceremony. I gave my stepmother a ring and it had three diamonds in it. And my stepmother gave me this pendant that used to belong to my father. And it's got three gold interlocking rings. And so as I was trying to figure out a name and a brand and, and, and logo, I thought, well, hang on a minute. Here's a design that I kind of really like. And uh, it's pretty simple. And, yeah, the... it just, and it just dimed on me, right? It's unity. The, the linked rings represent unity. And I'm like, well, right. 
in today's day and age, that's really easy to sell, right? There's a lot of people out there that kind True. of gravitate towards uh, bringing community together, right? So I thought, right. bingo, I got it, right? Because it is a, a mentor show. You know, I want to stay on topic too, but it's still it's part of the topic actually. That fear, I guess, the more I keep thinking about it, even the first was I was like, oh, what does that matter? But now I'm really thinking about it. The even the creation of the name, what you eventually do with it. You know, even when we created SWR, we had to look at it from a what if we eventually. And this is 20 years ago, so we had to look at what if we relocated. You know, you can't have Lone Star Real Estate and move it to Mississippi. You can't have <laughs> Mockingbird Realty and move it to Atlanta. And, you know, it's funny, you, you make those decisions and you're like, oh, it's no big deal. But the m- amount of money you put into the name and the marketing of it, well, fast forward to 18 years later, we actually finally did start pushing into other states. And it actually does matter now, 18 years ago, what that name is. And, and uh, when you guys were talking, it started making me think about how awful that would have been had we stuck with a local name for us, because that would be a real problem for me right now as we are actually looking into moving into many states uh, inside of the next year. So I never looked at it as a problem, but it is. It would have scared yeah. me. Yeah. And you know what? I, and I, have, I had the same problem, but in a little different way. When I started, when I went into the construction business, I was working for a gentleman. Um, I kind of uh, was, I won't say retired, but I was really doing nothing. I had sold a bunch of domains and stuff. So I had some income coming in um, and I was looking to maybe start another business. But he asked me one day, hey, come work with me. You know, so it was a handyman, little construction stuff. And a company was called um, Home Medic. And um, I, I, you know, we worked for a year together and everything. And then we started becoming more separated. We just weren't really working out together as partners. And so I wanted to go on my own way. I brought one of our biggest clients on and our biggest clients wanted to leave us. And so, you know, needless to say, uh, partnership did not work out. And uh, I went on my own. And when I, I ended up calling the company, they're like Robert, I don't know if I went and figured out 20 something names, but it ended up being called North Texas Home Repair. And I was pretty much locked in to North Texas. Now, I did do some work outside of the area um, and traveled around here and there. And I did get asked to go do other jobs and stuff here and there. Um, and a couple of jobs were outside of Texas and I couldn't do them. One, two, two reasons. Mainly one is just too much traveling, too much to get there, too much construction. I didn't know the area, I had to follow all the municipalities and the codes and all that stuff. And, and two was the finance. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know how I was going to go there and, you know, work a month or a week or whatever and be away from the family and all. So, um, so I was pretty stuck on North Texas home repair, but you know, what? I made it work for me. I, I made it, I made it work. I, I ended up venturing off in not worrying about the competition to be funny, to, to kind of be funny with you guys. You know, when Robert talked about the competition part earlier, uh, I did have a small window in North Texas home repair about three years into the business. There was a company that was in Frisco that was doing remodeling jobs. Now they were mainly just doing bathrooms and kitchens. But I all of a sudden started doing bathrooms and kitchens. I didn't, I didn't really go after it. My clients would like, hey, by the way, you know, we love every work you do. Have you ever thought about doing your kitchen? And I was like, oof. Um, well, we don't want the, like the whole kitchen done. We just kind of want to, you know, a little bit of remodeling, painting, put some new backsplash, you know, et cetera, et cetera, okay. new handles, new flooring. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I do that all day long. And next thing I know, I 
was on my, I don't know, third or fourth kitchen. And then uh, this company um, that was in Frisco uh, hopped in and did a bid. Now, the interesting thing was they were $30,000 more than me. And wow. so my client looked at me and goes, so Mark, I got to ask you a, a really serious question. He goes, I, I really, really like you really want to do the work, but um, you're $30,000 less than what our client is. And so, you know, we kind of did a tit for tat, right. Trying to figure out exactly what uh, the breakdown of the cost was. And I was like, well, here's the cost breakdown. It's real simple. They're going to replace all your cabinets and everything. I'm not doing all that stuff. I'm just going to paint everything and put the door handles and put some, you know, I'm just going to sugarcoat everything. Well, they ended up going with the whole company and doing the whole big deal. So long story short. I like it. Three wow. months later, I get called in to go do the cleanup work. Right. So they did great. But half the doors didn't really shut. The hinges weren't, weren't lined up correctly. They made a hole in the in the uh in the uh the, the laundry room and the ceiling because when they were doing the floor upstairs, one of the guys put their foot through there. She ended up terminating the company and then I ended up doing the cleanup work. Now I didn't make the extra money that I want to make, but I did make extra money. I did get a job. So the point is when you have fears in business, you got to try new things, right? I didn't get into it to try to do new bathrooms and new, new kitchens. And I didn't, my biggest fear in the whole construction business was this one time. And I, and really actually it was two times, but it was the same house. This client liked the work that I did. Now, I did not do this work. I actually outsourced it. They wanted to uh, add an expansion into the attic. And it was going to cost thirteen dollars or $14,000 just to move the HVAC plumbing, piping, and gas lines and all the other stuff before we even did all the construction. Well, I outsourced all that. And it they did awesome, loved it. Then the house sold. The realtor liked the work and everything. The new owners liked the work and all. They were like, hey, we want you to do the kitchen. And I was like, no, 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 no. We just want you to paint the kitchen. Oh, okay, great. Well, I'd never painted cabinets before. So I went out, spent $3,000 and bought a big old HVL sprayer, you know, the <laughs> non-airless sprayer. Um, I went to Sherwin-Williams uh, and, and here I was, you know, I was in my late 20s, early 30s and I, I just... I learned everything, right? I basically, uh, sure, William's telling me what to do. And I was all gung-ho. I was just went <laughs> right into it, right? They told me exactly what to do, and that's exactly what I was going to do. I was fine the first day. I was fine the second day. The third day, realizing that I only got four days left before the <laughs> clients are going to be home, I haven't gotten anywhere. <laughs> I'm I've only put two coats of paint on the cabinets and it's going to take 50 coats of paint. I see this day to day. So I'm holding back laughing because I got like 40 of these right now going on. So I knew, I knew what you're going to say. So I go back to Sherry Williams and I tell this guy and this guy, and I'll say his name because I won't say his last name. His name is Jason. I said, Jason, look, I, I really don't know, uh, you know, Shatola, but you told me to do this. I did this. And, he goes, oh, oh, you didn't. Okay. All right. We made a mistake. You need to put primer on there. You need to put specialized <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, enamel primer on there. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my lanta. Okay. So it took me the next four days getting not one, not two, 
three coats. But 13 coats of paint. 13. Wow. To get on the yeah. cabinets to cover it, to get it to 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 cure and get it to where it covered. And then the last day, the clients are like, hey, we're not coming in for another day. Could you paint all the doors in the kitchen and everything to match it all, you know? And then we'll get you later on. We'll come and paint all the others. So I did, it was not a big deal. I got it. But I, that was it for me. No more kitchens, no more painting cabinets. I fired myself. I was like, <laughs> nope, I'm going to go back into construction. I'm going to go back into handyman stuff, the painting thing. I'm not for me. See, that that is one of the keys to this whole discussion when you talk about overcoming fears in, in business is, you know, you just don't say, uh, listen, I think I'd like to go into kitchen remodeling. Uh, you got to do your homework on it. You got to lay out a plan of how to do it. Like you said, you went to Sherwin-Williams and they kind of steered you in the wrong direction. You have to have all of that in place before you shake hands with that client and take on that 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 work. Uh, you know, I think any any one of us, it's it's that way. You have to be pre-prepared, not just prepared, uh, to know what you're going to do and how you're going to do it, and then pick the best avenue and the best approach to accomplish it. Yeah, yeah, and and Mark, speaking to your story about construction, I I can talk a little bit about that as well. My father, 70s, 80s, was in construction as well um, before he went corporate. And so one of the things he found himself um, dealing with emotionally is that, you know, working for other people, and I'm talking about home jobs, not um, not a commercial, um, right. when he was doing a home-based work and he was you know finished carpentry doing cabinetry work right so right uh his issue was that he would fall in love with his own work i don't know if that occurs with anybody else if you just fall oh, in love yeah. with what what you I've do and you hate to see somebody else um having your product or your your effort and um or, or somebody just decides that hey it's not what they like and so you have to go back and redo something is that something that is common in your guys's uh oh yeah career? yeah 100 100 percent. oh yeah i had that same problem because i had the same problem in radio i mean you just you, you you know the interesting thing about the construction part of it though is is it's like i'm getting ready to do some work on my house here personally right and this uh no disrespect to anybody but i kind of want to do it myself and it's not because of what I'm going through or anything. It's just because I know how I want to do it. Right. And so getting a third party company to come in and do the work could do it a lot easier. Yeah. It costs a few more, a few more bucks more than what I really want to spend. But sometimes some companies don't want to do the work that you want them to do the way you want them to do it. Exactly. They want to do it the way they do it because this is the best way. It's not the best way. It's the way that company works. It's the way that person works. And that goes for any business, not even outside of construction. Same thing, Stuart knows this. Yeah, but but see, in your case, Mark, you have got a background in construction, so you right. want to do it your way because you have a background of knowing how to do it. Yeah, yeah. now, if you can find a a uh, uh, somebody to work with that also is qualified so that you don't have to be up and down on the ladders and you don't have to do hmm. all the heavy lifting. Right. Fine. That's what you do. Somebody that can follow your lead. Uh, 
just like in, 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 in my business, uh, uh, it was a women's, women's fashion business. Women have a tendency of coming into a store and they know exactly what they want. They know what color is going to look good on them. They, they know what style is going to look on, good on them. And when my wife would get them into the dressing room and then she would hand them a couple of outfits that they would not pick off of the rack. The, the real gratification comes when they walk out and they say, I never would have picked this one out, but I love it. I'll take it. I'm sure that that uh, Robert's the same way. People have a preconceived idea. I want a three-bedroom, two-bath house. I want this, and I want this. And, this. and most of the time, am I right, Robert? It yeah. all, almost, uh, you know, a, a, a house with absolutely every box checked off is hard to find. Yeah. But you find just, something that says here, look, this one might have a little bit smaller guest room, but, hey, look at this back patio. Yeah. There's a give and take to all of it. They've got to come to their conclusion on did it meet most of their, you know, desires and what they wanted. It's not the easiest thing. What they want and what comes together are completely different things. So, yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. And that is what each one of us, that's another fear we overcome, is that we have got to give the customer exactly what they want. You, what you want to try and give them what they want, but you also want them to understand that you're a professional and that you might make a couple of suggestions that will make them even want it more. And that's a fear that we as individual business people uh, have to have to overcome too, is yeah. that we do have the talent to, to guide people maybe in a direction that's a little bit off center. Well, yeah, I like the transition, you know, because you started off with, uh, you know, retail and getting into the beginning of it, which is a, is a, is a horrific fear. I have a lot of experience in retail as well. And I love how Mark actually went in and talked about the operational phase of the fears, you know, where like in the middle part of what happens once you start get, get started. And Wes kind of chimed in on both of them. And it, it's funny because the fears that I wanted to talk about, it, it, it flowed perfectly with y'all's because my bigger fears, of course, are all, all those I mean, all of, all of our fears are very similar in each of these phases, but the one that I fear the most is always current. You know, current's the biggest fear for me. And, and, and now it's just as great of time as any, because you look at, uh, and it's, it's more specific in real estate because real estate is center stage right now with interest rates rising in a market that's cooling. But when you set a business up as to, how the market's performing, you know, I'm thinking about the guys over the last five years who are just rolling in it, you know, they're about to get a very stern reminder of fear and the fact that it doesn't always go that way. It doesn't always stay that way. The current side of it as to, is the money coming next week? Is it going to be there next month? Right. What is the six month trend? I think that fear to me scares me more than anything because it's something that I constantly have to worry about, you know, whereas I don't worry about making payroll or anything, it can happen. And there are tons of people it's happening to right now. Right. Uh, you know, you've got a, a recession possibly looming out there and in, an inflation that hadn't probably been seen since the late seventies or early eighties. And I talked to someone yesterday who, you know, they, they have to drive for most of their business. And they're having to half fill their car 
so they can make it through the week because of gas. So, you know, it's funny. Right. All of these flows, all right. these terribly horrific fears. But the one that gets me the most is always the current. It's the one that keeps me up at night if I have to be up at night. And they all seem to go to the same thing. It's always there. It's just how you handle it and move on with it that I think is the most and difficult I think- I think you just nailed it right there. That's exactly it. I mean, I, Stuart can contest this too. And then I want to talk about something I read. The um, When I started KBGI Radio, it was the idea of what I knew in the industry. When I was about a year into the business, I decided to kind of get a little cocky and decided, you know what? I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to do it my own my own way, my own thing. I'm going to tell my clients to do the different thing. There was The fear in radio is you, we have it. It's based on time. It's based on slot time. And I was like, why? Why does it have to be based on slot time? Why can't you be like some talk show host out there where they're just a random conversation and it's just, uh, you know, just your people talking. And, and that's, I, I wanted to turn the radio station into that. And that's exactly what I did. And I would, in the, the fear that radio show hosts, new ones more or less had, and even ones that had been seasoned, as I would tell them, and it was something I came up with because I saw it every time, is that it takes five times to become acclimated, to be comfortable, to get on the air, to talk on a mic, to be respectful to the people that you have in front of you, to their time because they're being on your show, and you're the host, and you have the lead, you have the control. It takes you five shows to get into that process, that mindset. Now, some people took longer, and some people took a little bit sooner. But the point is the fear is you come on the radio and you're all gung ho. And then you go back and listen to it. And you're like, Oh, that sucked. You know, (laughs) and I can't tell you one of my friends, DJ LA, one of the first ones that I can tell you that he did a show. We did a show together. I let him host it. I was just a co-host. And when we got done, he came back to me, goes, don't play it. You can't put that on the air. And I go, it's already out there. It's already done. He goes, what do you mean? You got thousands of people already know about it. And he goes, I, it's, it sucked. I, I go, okay, so what's the problem? He goes, I said, super fly all the time. And I go, okay. Um, so I, I just did it. Mine was, um, um, every, so I had more ums and he had, I smacked my lips. It was so infuriating. You know, you don't realize and you're like, God, that's annoying, man. How many more times are you going to do it? Well, it's like now I have a new word. I, it's either awesome or rock on. I tell everybody that. It's either awesome or rock on. Yeah, I, I don't know what else my, you want me to say. Mine, is, mine is at all. At all. At all. I, I say something and, and all. And I even made a little placard that I would put on the desk in front of me that said and all. Then I kept staring at it to try and avoid saying it. But I, I, I still say it. My wife <laughs> wants me to get a plaque on the desk, and she just wants to have three letters, ish. Ish. <laughs> ish. Yeah. Everything's ish. Yeah, I'll be there, ish. I might do it, ish. Right? <laughs> so let me read these seven things. There's three topics and these seven ways to overcome fears in business. But there's um, – I know we only got a limited time, but I want to talk about three specific topics that are in this because the rest of them, eh, they're ish. They're ish. Okay. Ish. Ish. Right. okay, number one. Seven ways to overcome your fears in business. Number one, identify your fears. What exactly is it that you are afraid of? Two, realize it's not all about you. Three, determine the worst case scenarios. Four, focus on your why. Five, take action. Six, 
find your support system. Seven, learn to accept and embrace your fear. So the three that I picked out of this that I would like for each one of us to comment on. Number the the number uh, two, which is the most important for every CEO and leader, president, and person that's running an operations day to day, and that is realize it's not all about you. Absolutely. And I mean, as a CEO, I always I've always been taught one thing that you always forget, and that is real simple words. Get out of your own way. Exactly. Let people do what they do. So let's talk about realize it's not all about you. And then number two, focus on your why, because that's important. Mm -hmm. And then number six on this list, which is find your support system. To me, in all of our businesses right now, those are the three things that trigger us to do what we do best. You have to know what you're doing. You have to get out of your own way. You have to have a support system. And... Your most important is your why. Yeah. So, Robert, why do you do what you do? Uh, I never knew it was a passion. I mean, I was born an accountant. I come from a prominent accounting family. Father and high up in the government accounting. In fact, the highest it goes. His father's account. All of us are accountants, and I hated it. Uh, real estate was a joke. It was a back end. Uh, it was a mistake. And I tell people that when I interview them, uh, but it was something that to me blended everything that I actually liked that I didn't know. It had business and it had marketing and it had people skills in it. I think one of the things as an accountant that's very hard is that, you know, on your best day as an accountant, you know, I did a, you know, I had a very uh, high up job with the folks at Foot Action, Foot, uh, Foot Locker, and uh, Just for Beat. And, you know, on your best day, it's like, oh, what's supposed to be like that? The numbers are supposed to work. But on your worst day, it's like, hey, we have to let a thousand people go because the people upstairs screwed up. So let's yeah. go ahead. And I was like, well, this, this is awful, you know? And I wanted something that was more uh, people-oriented and more rewarding. And, and I didn't realize it until I started doing it. But the most rewarding part was getting someone into a house. You know, there is something about... Um, homeownership especially for the first time you know even when it's the second or third time there's just something always so happy about someone uh, going into house even the worst case scenarios even if it's like divorce or death and they're moving they're moving on one way or another so for me it was always uh, it was almost as if i got to see what i didn't want very early in life and i was fortunate to practice what uh, i enjoyed doing uh, for the majority of my career. You know, you mentioned the, the, the stuff about how you have to get out of your own way. And I was always very happy with that. I never looked at when we ran the company. I don't think I've ever run it one day worried about what I did or what was in it for me. I always realized that if we had a lot of people that did the same things and we, we cut them a certain amount of deals that it would come back to us one way or the other. And, uh, that worked out very well. Now, I always liked, um, well, it's patents, it's packing, patent slow, general patent uh, slogan, but Ted Turner's more famous for it. Uh, you know, with the, you know, either lead, follow, or you get the hell out of the way. And uh, I still embrace that. And I like to think I'm the one who leads, but I don't like to think it's because I do it 
because it's the way I want it to go or the way I want to be involved in it. You know, I, I, I wanted everybody else to, to thrive. And you're right about the support system too. Uh, if I, the day I brought in a, a director of operations was probably the best thing I've ever done because I finally realized I just could not do it by myself. I just, I just couldn't do it by myself. And I, I you talked about fears and, and worries and all that type of stuff. You start bringing in people that can help you and they know the stuff that you do. It about changes your whole life and your world as far as working goes because it lets you focus on the things that are most important and lets them focus on the things that you were already worried about because you couldn't find the stuff that you wanted to. So, you know, and, and, and I agree with Robert. And I remember there was an old phrase uh, that if you want it done or done right the first time, do it yourself. Um, and in, in some cases, yeah, if you're doing a little gardening and you want it to look the way you want it to do, then do it yourself. But, and I might make Mark a little bit nervous, but I, I used to criticize Mark a lot. You know, you talk about all about you. I always say that one of the hardest things that Mark had to deal with was delegating authority. Yeah. And there were times that I was in the station with Mark and I would say, Mark, how, how, how about if I do that? You know, but it was Mark always wanted to do it himself. When I was in business, uh, uh, again, I mean, I was fortunate because I worked side by side with my wife and we were able to delegate authority be be between us. But you, when you talk about all about you, when you're dealing with product, if you go into the market and you buy, buy product that appeals to you instead of to what you think will appeal to your customer, then you're off on the wrong path. So, you know, yeah, you I, I got to tell you that, that, that comment is, is not only good for everybody listening, but for me currently with what I go through right now, see, I suffer from that same problem with my regionals that, you know, I feel that I, I'm very good at recruiting because it's my theme. It's my, I created it. I know how to pitch it. And I don't think anybody can pitch it better than the person who created it when you think that way. Right. And, and there's some, there's some truth to that. But in the end, when I look and I go, well, they should have more people. They should be doing this or that. I'm like, it's not their failure. It's mine. It, because obviously I have not shown them more of what I do or the way I want to do it. And maybe I should be more involved with them so that they can do it on behalf of me. And, you know, you don't look at it like that. You're like, I'll just do it myself. That could be the biggest failure is doing it by yourself because you keep doing it by yourself. You'll never be able to get bigger. You'll never grow. Someone's got to be able to do it with you. They just have to. Right. A hundred percent. hundred percent. And Stuart's so right. Cause and, and during the time he's talking about, I had to realize that I was in my own way because I just continued to want to, even though I had staff working for me and all it's, I gave them very limited jobs to do. I, I in fact, I gave them a, a window of work to do. And I just, I'll, I don't want you overdoing the window. Just do the window, whatever I give you inside the box. That's it. I don't, I'll do everything else. But Stuart saw that. So Stuart, my question to you is, is, um, you know, we, we, we asked about, we talked about the why. All right. So let's talk a little bit about find your support system because you had started the business because you had worked for your parents and then you went to go work with your wife, Lauren, and you, you ended up doing that for many, many years. What was your biggest reason or what could you tell our listeners why you had the best support system? Because you have to have it, whether it's your spouse, 
whether it's your friends, whether it's coworkers, whether it's your partners, whatever the case is. Or your parents. You or your parents, yeah. Right. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's being able to recognize who is best suited for your support system. Now, the worst thing for us in retail was to just try and fill a slot because you needed, you needed some salespeople. So you just hire somebody and you train them and three, three months, four months, six months later, they leave. Mm -hmm. So that training was like, went down the, down the drain. You have to have the perception to say, I want you to be able to do it in my image. I want you to be able to understand how we do it and how we do it differently and then be able to carry that forward. Uh, I, I think each one of us is in the, is in that same boat. If you are going to delegate authority, you want to delegate authority to somebody that's going to a listen, uh, b perform, uh, and c be able to take on the task of doing it to somebody else. In other words, right. paying it forward. That's how that's how you grow. That's how you go from one one operation to three to five to seven is because you 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 train people to to actually work in your image in your in your footsteps yeah you can look over their shoulder to make sure that they're doing it but if you've ever watched the the, the show uh, uh uh undercover boss yeah oh yeah that's a good one. you know that's prime example how many times almost every show the undercover boss of the corporation goes out there and he finds people that a don't do it the way the, the the company manual says it should be done and b they take they 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 cut corners and you say to himself well wait a minute the buck stops with me and why did it get to this point that's right and that's that's why you have to reverse that thing and make sure and and who's who's the best purveyor of that? Probably the military. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They got one way to do it, and you do it this way, so yep. that the guy next to you will do it the same way, and the guy after you. And that's it. And that, and that's and it's their way or the highway. Because right now there is not a second, there's not a third. It's the one way, and we're going to tell you yep. how to do it. it. It reminds me, I'm reading something here that um, that you guys brought up, and so when we're talking about uh how can we remove fear in the business right so this this person wrote this little uh, monologue but it's real short and it's interesting it's an unknown it doesn't have a name tag to it fear stops us from starting businesses taking necessary steps we do take having hard conversations expanding our businesses making big decisions and generally many of the things that matter to us fear causes us to self-sabotage our good intentions and prevents us us from doing the things we really want to do. That is what I was trying to refer to earlier when I say we get in our own way. I now do that telling companies for the nonprofit that I work with that you're in your own way. And and there's a funny analogy to, to, the, to that that I kind of get them as a topic of conversation. And I'll ask them, I say, when did you start your business? And they'll tell me. And I said, okay, when, how long was it before you started your, hired your first person? Uh, you know, nine months. We'll just give a time frame, right? Nine months. I hired my first person. Great. How long did that person work for you? Oh, sh Sally was worth this 13 years. Oh, awesome. So when did you hire your second employee? Um, you know, probably about, you know, about within the year after I hired Sally. 
Well, when did Sally left? Ah, oh, yeah, she just left. Okay, so she left. She left 13 years later. Okay, well, how long has the person been working with you now? Oh, about three or four years, and I'm getting ready to make some changes. Boom. That's when they tell you, they start dropping the mic. They start telling you things that you're, you didn't ask for it. So I go back and go, okay, so who trained Brenda? Um, Sally, I suppose. Oh, so when I started off the conversation, I said to the gentleman, I bet you I can tell you when you lost control of your business. And he looked at me and he's like, I got control of my business. I've never lost control of my business. I said, you lost control of your business when you hired the next employee that took over a position that worked for 13 years. You didn't know what she did for 13 years. You have no clue today, but you don't like the new person. So two things are happening. You don't like the person. Generally, that's probably most of it because you like Sally for so long. Or two, right. you don't like what Brenda's doing because it's not what Sally was doing and she's got her own way. And Stuart said it best. It's not in the manual. It's not what you started. It's not how you, you wanted this thing to go. So there's your fears right there. So why haven't you made change? Uh, and that's usually what I get, right? Exactly. So guys, let's uh, do some parting comments here. But, you know, we've, we've all had some great experiences in, in life. And in general, mm -hmm. we have to take our personal experiences a lot of times in our business expenses. Um, when, we, when we do these experiences, we have to put the two together because it is part of our lives, right? Mm -hmm. And... And this gives a lot of experience for Wes to, to, to have knowledge of. You haven't got to the point yet where you're going to start a, uh, hiring employees and yeah, you're going to have all the accounting and all this booking and everything. You're, you're the entrepreneur. And sometimes, by the way, Wes, that's nothing wrong with that. You can go on for another 15 or 20 years as that single entrepreneur and never have any employees and never have an issue. Right. The biggest thing that we can tell you is get out of your own way. Yeah. If you have a fear, listen. It's noted. Take care of the fear. But why do you have the fear? Is it because competition? Is it because the money? Is it because uh, a competition of it? Is it because you really need help? Is it because whatever the case is, look at that first and then take over the step and go, I got this. You have to, as an entrepreneur, step forward. You cannot hold back. If you hold back, your business is not going to be successful. Because if you're holding back one thing that's really easy, which is you, then you'll hold back the rest of it. And I know that from experience. I know Stuart knows this. I absolutely know Robert knows this. Yeah. So my parting comments for me today is if you want to get out of your fears, just get out of your own way. Stop, back up for a second. Look at why you started this company and make sure that whoever you have working for you, however the uh whatever the analogy is whatever your path is whatever your slogan is whatever your mission is focus on that stop yeah. focusing on you stop focusing on the demand and control of people and focus on what your actual true company and business is get out of your own way Stuart, exactly. i'll say on that line is just stop overthinking i think he oh yeah say that enough. stop 100%. overthinking everything so go ahead Stuart. And I, and I would say, do what you do best and, and, and be cautious about trying to overgrow what you do best um, because there's always somebody that's going to be out there that wants to expand beyond their capability 
And they're the ones that five years later, there's a for lease sign on the location. So do what you do best, stay focused on that, and then grow in baby steps rather than giant steps. 100%. Robert. Yeah, I mean, it's cliche, but it, it really, you go way back and you think about you know, the only thing to fear is fear itself. Uh, it's true. Uh, I And I feel like I've been successful in my career because I don't, um, I, I don't fear it itself. I don't let it take control me. I, I accept it. I think it's part of, uh, part of business and I realize it's there and I don't let it scare me. Uh, uh, I guess if you want to be cliche too, I have two cliche ones and I'm usually the last <laughs> cliche guy, but when it comes to fear, I always thought FDR's comment was good and I also thought Jordan's comment was good about fear. He lost 300 games in his career. 26 times he's been asked to have it on the line. Everybody counted on him, and he lost every one of them. And he said the only reason he ever got really good at what he did is because he learned to accept it, and he got better and better from those losses. I don't Amen. Exactly. That. Failure is sometimes the best success. Absolutely. Yeah, me being kicked out of finance was the greatest thing that could have ever happened to me in my entire life, and I thought it was the low point in my life. But it wasn't. It was the high point for sure. Yeah, right. absolutely. Wes. Oh boy. Um, right, put you right on the spot. Yeah, why do you got to put Wes at the end? He's well, starting his. Why do you I know, right? Because <laughs> I think it's funny. <laughs> um, oh boy. Right, look, he's tongue tied. I like it. I'm going to really think about it. Um, <laughs> just start with one foot. That's what I would say. Start with one foot and then make sure you put that second one and plant it with authority. Yeah. I like that. I like I, to keep I'll, going. I'll, I'll share one more with you. My father had a sign above his desk in his office and it said, the customer is not the, the, the main reason why you're in business. The customer is the only reason you're in business. Mm, good one. That's right. Wow. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I, uh, same thing, same thing too, you know, the, the worst customer complaints we ever get are the ones that we never get. I mean, they are the everything. I loved your comment where you had to just sit there and think about that after so many different things, but you came out with such a good one. You do step forward, you do it authoritatively, you do it confidently, and you just keep going until it works. Right. Exactly. Well, yeah. guys, I appreciate it. And uh, it's, it's Stuart, you know, when you're talking about something on your desk as we end this call, this podcast, I have two words that are up on my shelves right now, and they uh, one of them used to follow me um, in the in KVGI. It used to be on my top desk on my credenza, and then my other one was here at home. Um, now I have them both here in my own home studio, and my two favorite words. Now it's not words that I share with everybody, but it's words that I live by, and everything I do, everywhere I go, every person I talk to, every story I do. Every story I try to remember and tell people about, it, the two words always come into play. Believe and imagine. Great. Two simple words. Very those good. are my words. Those I look at those words and I believe and imagine. And so imagine was for KB Jack is imagine the possibilities. That's right. Believe is because I've always been taught to believe in myself. So there you go. I want to be cliche one more time so I can get a third one. I have a three. Go. It's just, it's just do it. 
And I, I'm not even that big a fan of Nike, but I love their statement. It actually gels with what Wes said, too, in the end, especially as you get going, starting businesses. It, just do it. And I tell myself all the time, uh, no matter what the situation is, whether I'm happy, upset, irritated, just do it. That's when it's on my desk, it's in my office, and it's in my head all the freaking time. Well, I don't see it. Right now, I see a sign on your desk that says, Best Dad. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> well, <laughs> and that's a good one. That is a good one. <laughs> well, guys, well. <laughs> this uh, this really, this has been awesome. I mean, this is our third podcast, guys. And uh, um, I'm a little disappointed we don't have uh, Monica here. But you know what's going to be interesting in, in July when we start having five, six people on this podcast? It is going to be uh, freaking awesome. And I know that you guys, uh, you know, scheduled your time to be away from your family and your work and everything to do this show. But I appreciate it. Guys, you can go find the mentorproject.live on the web at your own www, your own favorite browser, your favorite computer, laptop, whatever it is, your mobile phone. You can find us anywhere and everywhere at the mentorproject.live. You can find us on social media. Um, we mainly are on Facebook and Instagram. And the interesting thing has happened over the last couple of weeks since our last podcast. I've been telling people that, you know, we're on 11 different platforms. Mm. I was lying to you. That is not the case. We are on probably hundreds of podcast services out there. I talked to the guy that helps us put this stream out there. And when I hit him up about, hey, are we on 12 or 13? He's like, no, that's not the case. You're on 50 plus. And I'm like, what? And then he started telling me about these websites. And I would go and look up this one website for this one podcast service, that is. And then all of a sudden, I'll be like, oh, I looked down at the bottom. And they're affiliated with 15 different other podcast services. Oh, it's the affiliates. Makes sense. Yes, yes. And so they share and roll over. So one of them is, is our cast, but our cast is affiliate on, on nine or six or seven or eight or nine different other sites that they all work together with. So it's almost like this. And this is the way he explained it to me how podcast today is working even more differently than just a couple months ago is that because podcast platforms are expanding and ever growing, they may upload to one service. We'll call it Apple at this point. Okay. Apple may have partners with other podcast services. So once you uploaded to Apple, it's also consequently going to upload to other services. So all of a sudden now you're on five other services. Then you do to Google. Well, Google's going to be by themselves, but then there's this thing called just listen. And it may be on five other podcasts. So the next thing you know, your numbers have exponentially grown. So you, whatever your favorite platform is out there, all you have to do is go to it and just look up the mentor project. Now, I'll say this. After looking it all up on many different platforms, there are two other the mentor projects out there. We're the only mentorproject.live podcast. So I actually have the name out there as the mentor project podcast because... There is two other, the mentor projects. One is a female that hasn't done it in a couple of years. And the other one is a male group. And um, they call it the mentor project workshop, I think. Um, and so I put it out there as the podcast so you can find us. So you can find us anywhere and everywhere, everywhere out there, social media. Um, we do take messages and comments. And hey, if you want to be a mentor, we'd love to have you on there. We're adding people all the time. We've got two more coming in the month of July. But today is is over. Stuart, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it, my friend. You have 
you're a rock star. Love having you on here. There's going to be, um, you know, it's funny. This is the first time you and I have been on radio uh, or a podcast in years. Because oh, wow. we've done interviews and stuff together, but we've not done a show or anything together for years. That's right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The last show Same we did with together you, was Monday, Monday morning. Uh, um, uh, Monday, music Monday? Music, music Monday. Music Monday. Music yeah. Monday. Yeah. By the way, we're bringing that back at some point. I don't know when, but <laughs> this year, we'll just say 2022. It's coming back in 2022. Stay tuned, yeah. folks. Stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> well, Wes, Robert, appreciate your time. And, no worries. Um, Glad to be here. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You guys are awesome. So today's show was about fear, overcoming fear in your business. So we hope we were able to give you some kind of insight. We gave you our bullet points and our, our thoughts and and many prayers to you out there in the world. If you're starting a business or you're getting married or yeah. you're getting divorced or you're starting something new or whatever task it is that you're trying to achieve, fear is the biggest reason why we don't become successful. It's that simple, folks. This is the Mentor Project Live podcast, and we are out. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Mentor Project Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you're at it, help spread the word by leaving a five-star review. Visit thementorproject.live for the latest blog updates and find us on social media at The Mentor Project Live. <laughs>